Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio, where we are changing the way parents talk to their kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe in our rapidly changing world. You are your kid's best source of information and primary example. In these thought-provoking conversations, Robin and her guests seek to improve your relationship skills, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Now, here's your host, Robin LaCrosse. Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse. Today, we are going to be having a very important conversation around respect and consent. Times have changed and expectations today are very different than they were when I was growing up. So I really look forward to having this important conversation with Mike Demetrius. So please allow me to introduce him. As the host of the Respect podcast with Mike Demetrius and as one of the world's leading subject matter experts and speakers on respect, Mike has been sharing with audiences and organizations around the world for almost three decades. Mike helps organizations of all sizes, educational institutions, parents, and the U.S. military create a culture of respect. Mike's mission is personal. When he was 19 years old, his youngest sister was raped. Soon after, he began a journey to help reduce sexual violence in the world. Over the years, that journey would focus in on building a culture of respect within organizations and communities. In 2002, Mike founded the Date Safe Project and went on to write three critically acclaimed books, with his two latest being Voices of Courage, Inspiration from Survivors of Sexual Assault, and Can I Kiss You, a thought-provoking book looking at relationships, intimacy, and sexual assault. Hey, Mike. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking. So glad that you could come today. Oh, yeah. Happy to do it. Yeah, I'm very excited. So can you tell us a little bit about like how you got started with the Date Safe Project, the Center of Respect? I mentioned a little bit in your bio, like, where that came from, but can you elaborate a little bit? Absolutely. So for me, this is very personal. I was a college student in 1989, and I received a phone call that the youngest of my sisters, I have three older sisters, had been raped. And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was outraged. I was confused. I was lost. I was, I was angry. And over time, I realized that anger wasn't going to do me any good and that using my voice could potentially make a positive impact. And that's where it all began. I started speaking out as a college student, started speaking in classrooms and then local schools, and it grew from there. And then I, I stepped away from it for a little while because I, I was very young and I looked even younger. And so at the time in the early 90s, society was not openly talking about this discussion at all. And they certainly weren't letting what they considered this young kid in the room to have to lead the conversation. So I stepped out of it and came back to it in 2002. And some people saw me and said, why aren't you all over the world doing this? And I started to share the story, the backstory. And they said, well, the world's changed. Now they're looking to have a conversation. And I went full steam ahead into it, came back to it full time. And now we're, you know, 17 years later. And we created the Date Safe Project in 2003. That changed this year in 2019. And we are now the Center for Respect. We love to be in the Date Safe Project. It did limit our ability to get in to work with some groups because of the name. We're the Center for Respect. That's everything we do. Everything we do is based on respect. It's not always based on dating. And so Date Safe Project limited us. Now we're able to work with corporations, organizations, military, schools on a wide basis. Excellent. Yeah. And actually, I was very curious about like the evolution from the Date Safe Project into the Center of Respect because we did have a conversation uh, last year on my Raising Empowered Kids Summit and great conversation, which actually I'm planning to share with our listeners. I'm going to give them the opportunity to download that interview also. Awesome. Um, yeah, because it was a really great one. So I well, want you. to make sure that that gets out there too. But yeah, I was, con you know, I was curious, like, at what point or like what made you, you know, decide to change from, you know, the Date Safe Project into the Center of Respect? And you alluded to it here a little bit. Yeah, there's, well, so what it was, was we've been working with the U.S. military for a long time. And some of the work we do with this military has nothing to do with, 
dating or relationship situations. So that limits because maybe a general, an admiral, or somebody at the Pentagon sees the name of the organization and thinks, well, that doesn't apply to what we're looking for. They didn't realize we do way more than just dating discussions. So it was limiting. Then when we started working with corporations, and we do, we work with corporations on creating a culture of respect, it really didn't align with them because they're sitting there going, why would we bring in the date safe project to a large multi-level national corporation or, or a small local company? And so we realized the name was not doing justice to the work we were doing and to our mission, where the center for respect is everything about what we do, right? Whether I'm talking about consent, parenting, bystander intervention, supporting survivors, corporate culture, it's all based on a foundation of respect. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about respect? Like a lot of our listeners are parents. I know that respect kind of starts in the home and, you know, the things, the lessons that we learn as children, we take out in, you know, with us into the world. And as I was, I was thinking about our interview coming up and I was like, God, you know, why do we even need to have this conversation? Like, shouldn't people just like respect each other and like, where, where is the being kind to each other and respecting each other? So, Well, the thing is, most of us engage in disrespectful behavior daily. Almost all of us do. In some form or fashion, we engage in it. The problem is we don't acknowledge that. And so, therefore, we're not having honest conversations about how this applies to all of us. What we tend to do is have this idea of the monster in our head, that person who is degrading, disrespectful, and blatantly obvious that what they're doing is wrong. And so people see that and go, I would never be that person. Therefore, I don't need to engage in this conversation. When in fact, two minutes before, they cut their partner off in the middle of a conversation because they thought they knew what their partner was going to say. So they interrupted and took over the conversation. Total sign of disrespect, right? People do it all the time. And they go, well, but I'm not the monster who degrades someone. So I don't need to talk about respect. But yet the people in your life feel disrespected by you. And we all engage in this. If somebody's sitting there going, well, I don't ever interrupt but I could find something else you do probably that people around you feel like they're not being respected when you do it. It could be the person who sits there and doesn't answer when you're engaging them in a conversation and they're just silent, right? And they're highly analytical and they think I'm just analyzing and taking my time. The person you're sharing with thinks like you're ignoring them. So it comes off as very disrespectful. And so having real honest conversations about what respect is, what it looks like, a lot of people don't even know how to define it. Mm, how would you define it? Well, and I think it's very personal for people when you discuss it. So what why do when I'm working with companies or organizations or schools is I ask, what does it mean to be respected? The most consistent, most powerful answer I've gotten around the world, and it is consistent, how often it comes up is amazing, is people who say, when I feel seen and valued for exactly who I am. In other words, I'm not just seen as only this asset that does this one thing right. I'm seen as a human being. So I'm fallible and I'm seen for that and I'm valued for that. And so therefore, I'm not shut down. My voice is heard. My ideas are heard. That's the idea of being respected, to feel truly valued, to be seen, to be heard for who you are, not for who they want you to be. That's trying to fix someone for who they are. Mm-hmm. And then as you're talking about that, it kind of makes me think of like unconditional love. Like you love somebody in spite of their flaws and, you know, you love their imperfections too. And so is there a connection there between the respect and that unconditional love? There absolutely is because the phrase that you just used is so brilliant that you brought it up because it's used so often in our society. I've said it myself. We'll say in spite of their flaws instead of including their flaws. Ah, mm-hmm. Right? So, because if it's in spite of, the flaws are a problem. Right. right? And now I need to fix that, even though it's not me. And that's what people do. They try to fix others. Parents were notorious for sometimes trying to fix our kids. Mm -hmm. Instead Instead of providing a foundation for them when they're ready, if they feel needed, to make adjustments for themselves versus us trying to fix them. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I find it, you know, language so fascinating. Like we just say things without really thinking about like what is the meaning, you know, like what I just said or like when we fall in love, it's like, well, I was uh, listening to this TED talk and I forget the name of the lady's name, but she's like, you know, we use this language like when you fall in love, like, oh, did you just fall into a manhole or 
are you, or I've been smitten by, you know, love. And it's like, oh, well, smitten. It's like, you were you struck by the hand of God kind of thing? And so it's like, it's fascinating, you know, how language, you know, plays into these things. And we don't even realize like what we're saying or the meaning of, you know, in spite of or including your flaws. Yeah, I'll give you some classic language that yes. has been around forever. Please. Did you hit on that person? Mm-hmm. Right, very violent language. Hit, we've turned into flirt, right? And so that's not healthy. It'd be, it's healthy to say, did you flirt, right? Because that's, that's, there's no violence in that word. But did you hit on? It also becomes gamesmanship. Mm-hmm. Hitting on doesn't sound like something that's mutual, right? right. Flirting, it should be a mutual experience. You should be able to flirt mutually. You don't want to say, yeah, we both hit on each other. I mean, it, it's just not the language that's you. I'm not saying that if you are both hitting on each other, that's wonderful. But the language of hit is not ideal. Another one, did you score last night? All right? Well, that means it's a game again. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about games when it comes to sex is that you play a game to win. Right. You don't play a game to tie. Games are not about mutuality. They're just not. They're about someone winning and someone losing. And therefore, if you scored, that means it was at the expense of someone else versus did you have an amazing experience? The two of you have an amazing experience last night. Did both of you have an amazing experience last night? That's a very different conversation. Now, it might not be your business, first of all. So, you probably don't need to be asking that question. But let's say that you were in an open, healthy conversation about sex, intimacy, relationships. Why isn't it not did you both? Rarely do people ask that question. Right. They'll say, did you get laid last night? Was it amazing last night? It's not for both. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really amazing. Yeah, language is, is so powerful. And we're kind of unconscious about the things that we say. So I love that, you know, that you're kind of raising awareness about these, you know, the language that we're using and the terminology, because it's true. I mean, it's we do this stuff without even thinking about it. So yeah, the most common word in high schools and young adults right now for having sex is smash. I haven't so even heard is, that one. <laughs> oh yeah, it's inc- I mean it's incredibly common. It's in fact you'll hear it way more than you ever hear the word sex. Wow. Amongst yes, amongst youth and young adults, uh, did we smash? Are you going to smash? Are you going to smash with him? It, that is the terminology. Think about that. Smash. Yeah. Right? There's nothing that sounds like it's a mutual experience. In fact, it sounds like domination. It sounds like devastation. Right? Yeah. It doesn't sound like mutually amazing experience. Yeah, it sounds like a car wreck. Correct. A wreck yeah. is when you think of a smash, you think of a wreck. Yeah. Right? And so nothing about that. But it also feeds into this society that shows sex as a ramming kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Right? And this, that it is a wrecking kind of thing. One person just, in, when you look at pornography, a lot of times it's very much about one really jamming in, in theory, right? Like you're saying the wrecking, smashing into another right. versus about a mutually amazing experience. Yeah, no doubt. So on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances, you find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day. It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it. Yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach. Robin's five-week course, Be Persuasive, How to Have Successful Conversations, outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations. You'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication, raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner, maintain your focus no matter how the other party reacts, and resolve problems once and for all. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com. 
Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung Life Transformation with Dr. and Master Shaw with host Diana Gold Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shaw. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at holisticsexedradio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. So we're back and we were just talking about language and sex. Wow. And we were just talking about smashing the new term for sex. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. So, and you were just talking about pornography too. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about porn because clearly it is made for entertainment value. And unfortunately, a lot of our kids are getting their sexual education from pornography. Yeah. For years, when pornography came up in discussion and education, Everyone focused on research that showed if you watched a lot of porn, that could lead to violence. And that's where all the focus was. The problem is the person listening to that, the teenager, doesn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Like they don't think I'm more violent after I watch porn. So they don't pay attention. They don't listen to that. So what I focus on are areas they do, un- they do relate to and they very much understand. I'm going to give you a couple of those. And this is true of all ages, not just teenagers. Mm-hmm. Right? So you brought up though that teens are using porn as their sex ed. And that's absolutely true because these very explicit, detailed conversations are happening in very few homes. They're happening in some, but it's very few. Therefore, the only sex ed is happening on the internet because schools, many of them are banning having honest conversations, truthful conversations. You can't even, you struggle to teach consent in some schools because of how much banning there is on conversation. Mm. So we want to make sure that we talk about what porn is teaching. And students agree with what I'm about to share. One, what it does to body image is devastating. Mm -hmm. And teens admit this. People go, what do you mean what it's doing to to body image? Let's say that you took two 18-year-olds who had never seen porn, and they're about to have sex for the first time, and they've never seen that person naked for the first time, live in a sexual situation. And all that's about to happen their partner's naked in front of them for the first time. What's in their mindset at that point? It's usually, teens will admit this, something like, yes, this is amazing. This is incredible. They're looking at every inch of that partner's body and they're loving it. I mean, they're loving every inch of that body. Mm -hmm. Same two 18-year-olds, but they've been watching porn since they were 14 or 15. Now in the exact same situation, they see their partner naked in front of them and they think, eh, they verbally sh- and say things that sound like, oh, this is wonderful, this is amazing. But in the back of their head, they're judging based on the, what they thought was a realistic, and I put that in air quotes, view of what the human body was supposed to look like in sex mm-hmm. because of what they saw in porn. Right. And so they've lost the ability to treasure the partner right in front of them to treasure them. They've lost the ability because it doesn't match what they've been watching for four years. Mm-hmm. So they think something's wrong, something's not up to par. And to double on that concern, they're judging their own body based on that porn they've been watching. And their body doesn't look like that porn they've been watching. So now they're self-conscious of their own sexual being. So they're not fully present. They're not able to enjoy the sexual experience. And therefore, it's taking away all this ability to treasure and joy what should be a wonderful, mutually amazing experience. It's taking that away. Mm. Yeah, it's so sad. They haven't had 
the world experience to know that everybody is different and doesn't look all perfect and plastic. It's not a Barbie body. Yeah. And (laughs) the way porn is intentionally filmed is to have a gap. And people go, what do you mean to have a gap? You can't film genitals if they're always covered up. So porn intentionally films in a way that the bodies have more distance between them than you would normally have in a one-on-one sexual experience with a partner. And so because of that, it does look more violent. It looks more aggressive because there's more distance being covered in that sexual activity because of the gap, because it allows everything to be seen. Right. Mm -hmm. But a real sexual partner might love and actually cherish feeling you completely against them everything smashed up against each other. And there's the word smash, right? Yes. Because that's how they interpret that, right? But actually everything up against each other in the most loving, wonderful way that you can feel that skin, you can feel everything. And many people say they love that in sex. And that if their partner gaps away, like the partner wants to pull away and just look at them while they're doing them, they don't feel as connected. It doesn't feel as amazing because you're losing the connection. And instead of smash, that's where that word is so dangerous because that makes about just hitting up against each other versus feeling that person's body against you. Mm -hmm. Very different feeling, very different vibe, very different energy. Yeah, definitely. Kind of like that sacred piece. Yeah, well, and that's just it. And some people bring up faith when we talk about this. And it's an important element for those who are someone of faith. Faith says that sex is to be a gift from God, Mm -hmm. to be treasured, honored, and respected at all times. Look, if you have, don't have a healthy understanding of what that gift from God is, what are the odds it's going to feel like a gift from God? None. <laughs> None. In fact, it could be painful. It could be uncomfortable. It could be extremely awkward. And it's not being treated like the gift it's meant to be. If you're a person of faith, you would believe that you'd want to know all the knowledge you could to treat it like the gift it's meant to be. You would believe in giving young adults all the knowledge you could, they could possibly be given so they could make the best choices possible to treat it like the gift it's meant to be. The more you pull back information, the more people will find it somewhere else. And it's probably going to be unhealthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't really feel like the internet is a great source of information. There's a few gems out there that are good information. And the gems that are out there usually require reading. Yes. So this other thing showing me video instantly. Mm-hmm. So the, the human entertainment brain says, watch the video. Right. That's true of all ages. Sure. Absolutely. I know when I was growing up, we had lots of movies and stuff, Revenge of the Nerds, Breakfast Club, you know, all these movies where it was commonplace to like take advantage of women who were drinking too much or not take no for an answer. I like to talk a little bit about like how our cultural beliefs They've definitely shifted over the last 30 years. Can you talk about where we kind of started from and now where we're going and how things have changed? Yeah, what's, people ask me all the time, what's, you know, I've been doing this for 20, now almost 29 years. People say, what's the biggest difference? The biggest difference over those 30 years is awareness. Awareness has increased immensely. However, behaviors have not even come close to matching the awareness. So if you were to think on a scale of one to 100, and we've gone in awareness from a 30 to a 70 Mm -hmm. or 75, but the behaviors have gone from a 30 to a 35 or 40. Mm -hmm. So we still have a huge discrepancy in what we know is the right thing to do and actually engaging in the rightful behavior. Huge difference in knowing the respectful choice and actually making the respectful choice. That's what needs to change. Right now, you can say to somebody, can a drunk person give consent if they're not of sound mind? Most of America will say, of course not. Of course not. That's not legal. Right. And yet, they will pursue the person who's not of sound mind, who's all over them at the bar on Friday night. And they know that person's not of sound mind. They are themselves of sound mind. And they will pursue that sexual, what they see as an opportunity when it's actually the setup of a sexual assault or rape potentially. Mm. So that's where the discrepancy still has a long way to go. It is still very, very rare that you see somebody ask for a kiss in a movie. Even with all this awareness, incredibly rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. And I've been dating for the last few years and the times that I have encountered a man who asked permission is very rare. Like, 
one in 10, maybe, maybe not right. even that many. It's, it's. Well, what's amazing is when you talk to people who do ask or who have been asked how much people love it. Mm-hmm. Like people say, it's so refreshing. You're not playing the stupid mind games of, oh, they're going to make their move. I'm going to wait for them to make their move. And now when are they going to make their move? No, you're just going to look somebody in the eyes and go, may I kiss you right now? And you're cutting out the games and it's more connected because you're looking at someone in the eyes and using those words, they get to hear they want you. And if you're listening around going, well, that would turn me off, then you're not into them. Right. If you're telling me somebody you want to be with looks you right in the eyes and said, may I kiss you right now? And you're like, oh, that ruins it. Either one of two things, you weren't into it in the first place right. and you're blaming the asking or two, you're sexually immature. You literally cannot handle having a conversation about what you want to do with your body and their body. And that requires looking in the mirror going, why am I so uncomfortable with that? What am I afraid of? That's an important conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know for the times that I have been asked, I'm, I always thank them. I'm like, oh, thank you for asking, you know? And I was like, yeah, I totally would love to kiss you or hold your hand or whatever the question happens to be. Being that I'm a sex educator, I encourage that behavior and you know and because I am a sex educator and by the time they're ready to kiss me they should they know that by net by that point <laughs> well and it allows you to have other conversations mm-hmm. you know often people's first sexual experiences are awkward and uncomfortable with the first time with a certain partner and it can ruin the relationship like they can be like uh, there's just no chemistry when in fact it was lack of communication and lack of knowledge Mm-hmm. You had the chemistry. Had you said to each other, hey, what do you really love in bed? Right. And that person had said, really? You really want to know? Yeah, I want to know. And then you knew that. Oh, my gosh, it could have been fireworks. But instead, you were doing things you assumed they wanted that you didn't know they wanted. Yeah, and that's the danger of assuming things for sure. Yeah, and the other danger of assuming things is you're literally doing something with someone's body they don't want done. Right. And people go, well, if they don't want it, they'll let me know and I'll stop. But you've already done it. Right. At that you can't point. can't reverse that. That's and a little you bit ask, late. You know, you ask people all the time, we ask parents, would you always want your child to have a choice before somebody does something with their body sexually intimately? Every parent says, well, of course I do. Of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Do you get that choice every time? Does your yeah. partner get that choice every time? And then parents are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You expect me to ask? Well, why would you want a world where your kid gets a choice, but you don't? Yeah. Or your partner doesn't. Good point. Yep. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances, you find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day. It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it. Yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach. Robin's five-week course, Be Persuasive, How to Have Successful Conversations, outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations. You'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication, raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner, maintain your focus no matter how the other party reacts, and resolve problems once and for all. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Do you find yourself thinking that you're not good enough or that you're not lovable? Do you sometimes feel that there is something wrong with you and that you're hiding something? These are more common thoughts than you would think. It's time to talk about this. Tune in to Where Words Can't Reach, shedding light on our dark side with Dr. Madeline DeLittle. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. We're back. And Mike, I would love to know like how parents, how adults can start encouraging more of these conversations to, you know, get permission or encourage people to ask permission before kissing or even things that don't involve romantic gestures. Sure. If it's a parent, one of the first things they can do is role model this for their kids. So what they can do is if you're a parent right now listening, you can go home today and you can say to your child, you know what? I always want you to have a choice with your body. Always. And that includes making sure I always honor that choice. So from now on, I'm not just going to give you a hug. I'm going to ask you, may I have a hug or may I hug you? I'm going to ask you, may I give you a kiss? And if you say no, I will always honor it. That's your choice. I'm going to love you either way. So you choose because I always want you to have a choice. That language right there is beautiful Mm -hmm. because too many parents teach the following. Hey, you're going to give me a kiss because I'm your parent. And I love you. And that's what you do. You, I, as a parent, that's my right. I get a hug from you. I get a kiss from you. Well, what they just taught the child was when someone loves you, you owe it. You owe intimacy, whether that's loving intimacy or sexual intimacy, you owe it. And no, you don't. You know, this is so important. We can all fall into this trap at some point in our lives where we think, well, that person should. No, that's their choice. And so one of the most beautiful things we can do is do that. Now, on, the fl- on a different direction, let's say you want to go home and you're not a parent, but you want to start your sexual relationships to work this way. Mm-hmm. And you're in a relationship. Go home and say, you know, I realized today, we don't talk a lot about what we like and what we don't like or what we want and we don't want. I want to know what I'm doing is what you love. Mm-hmm. And, I don't, and I want to cut the stuff out you don't really love. What do we do that you absolutely love? What are things we're not doing that you would love us to do? or you'd love for me to do. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to do it. So, if they name something you're not comfortable with, you don't want to do, you can immediately go, okay, what else would you love to do? Because Uh it doesn't mean you owe it once again. You never owe it. But explore and discover with each other and say, I want us to always be able to have this conversation. On Tuesday night, when I say, are you in the mood? And you say, yes, I want to say, what for? Mm -hmm. Because if I just, you just say yes and I say yes, we're assuming what's going to happen in that bedroom. But maybe you just want this one thing that night. And maybe I just want that one thing, right? Maybe you're going to say to me, you know what, I would, now this depends on language people would use. But some people are like, I'd love a blowjob tonight. And somebody might be like, you know what, I'd love to do that for you. Will you do the same for me? Mm-hmm. Right? Because I'm okay with us not doing what we call traditional intercourse, right? Uh, But I would love this. If you'd love that, let's go for it, right? And you can have fun with that, right? And it's totally mutual because you both want to do this for each other. And how beautiful because one, you're, you're increasing your intimacy because you're giving your partner the opportunity to verbalize what they actually want. And then you get to choose whether or not you will provide said thing. And assuming that you do want to provide it, it, you know, gives you the opportunity to have fun in a way that wasn't maybe necessarily what you expected. Because if yeah. you just assumed you're just like going to go, you know, do the normal sex thing or whatever, and then roll over, go to sleep versus have, you know, mutual or, you know, oral sex. And maybe your whole night is totally different. Yeah. Well, here's the difference. Choice. Yeah. One situation you feel like it's expected of you. The other, you chose that. I want to do this for you. I enjoy bringing you that pleasure. Now, if it's only one-sided all the time, not healthy. Right. That's different. If you're always the one giving oral and you enjoy receiving and they have have no reason they don't give it, enjoy giving, let's say, you oral in that case, and they're just refusing to. Okay, this is unhealthy. 
Mm-hmm. There's there, that's not healthy when one person's always getting and one person's always receiving. Huge, huge difference. But when you choose to want to do this for each other, when you want to do that, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And maybe if somebody doesn't enjoy oral sex, there's something else that they enjoy instead, you know? So that's like, oh, right. you want the blowjob? I'll take a massage. Oh, thank you. That's so right. Uh-huh. You know, and I know people that'll joke and go, you want the blowjob? I'd love the dishes cleaned. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> right? And weirdly enough, people be like, okay, I'm good with that. So, and people think, well, that's not appropriate. That's a sexual for this. But you don't know what's in that person's mind that night. And maybe for them, that's not a joke. Like, you know what? I'm always doing the dishes. I would love you could just do that. I, I'm, I don't need anything sexual for me. I'm not, maybe my body's not in the mood for that tonight. Right. But I would love this, you know, and so it allows you to have an honest conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been recently, I was reading uh, the five love languages and they were talking about like how acts of service, you know, like there's different ways to feel loved. And, you know, if somebody needs that physical connection and somebody else is just exhausted and like, oh, if the dishes were done, that would totally make my night, you know, <laughs> I would feel so loved if you went and did the dishes. That's right. Yeah, so who are we to judge as far as is a blowjob and the dishes like a trade for sex or or does this like give the person the space to be like, okay, now that the dishes are done, I can relax and you want a blowjob? Great, let's go. Right, <laughs> well, and here's the deal. It, as long as they're not bartering. Right. Right, it's, it's a choice that I want. That's very different than bartering. Like, look, if I do the dishes... Will you do this for me? Okay, that's a barter. That's very different than what would you love? Mm-hmm. That's a very different conversation. If I say, hey, what would you love for me to do for you tonight? And you name, honestly, I'm just, I'm not into my body being touched or anything, but, but I'd love the dishes. And then you turn around and go, but because I'm not in the mood for my body, doesn't mean I don't want to touch yours. What would you love? That's a healthy conversation. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that conversation. Mm-hmm. That's based in mutuality. And everything we discuss And my work is about mutuality. Mm -hmm. I think those conversations are really important. Can you talk a little bit about like how, how somebody could start these conversations if they're not used to having these types of conversations? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we discussed earlier, Robin, about saying to your partner, I realize we don't talk and we're working on guesses and assumptions and I want to know exactly what you want. And if they're like, well, I'm just happy with how it works now. Well, what are you happy with? What do you really love? And if they're like, well, I don't know. I mean, nothing in particular. Well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> There's nothing we're doing <laughs> that really strikes you as, yes, I love that. Right. Uh, there should be. So let's slow down and figure out what it is. Right. Next time we're together, let's have some fun with this and explore. There are a lot of people who don't know what they like yeah. because they've never been given the choice. So mm-hmm. you say to them, all right, next time we're having fun together, well, let's do stuff and then tell me whether you like that or not. And if right. you like that, we'll continue with that. If you don't like that, We'll try something different and explore with each other. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people who are not used to tuning in and, you know, feeling like identifying how they feel. Like, do I like this? Do I not like this? You know, like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What do I want? So there's, there's that problem too, as far as people not being connected to their. Well, there's, that happens often too, because people don't feel safe saying they don't like something. Oh, there we go. They think that if I say to my partner, that's not working, that's a personal attack on my partner's performance mm. versus, no, my, it's just, my body's not there. That part of my body right now is not activating and that's not working. That's not about you. No matter who is there right now, it wouldn't be working. So right. what we're afraid of is that our partners take it personal and partners do take it personal. Someone will say, I don't want to have sex tonight. And the partner will think, why don't they want to have sex with me? Well, I don't think they said, I don't want to have sex with you, but I want to have sex with John tonight or Julie tonight. They said, I don't want to have sex, but right. we, make it, we make it personal. Well, why not with me, right? What about me? That's not what they said. And so this creates a safe space for us to be honest with each other and say, I'm just not in the mood tonight for anything, or I am in the mood for this, but not for that. And to know it's not about you, what I'm in the mood for. Mm-hmm. And it's the, and you to try to change me and fix me right now in this moment doesn't make me feel loved either. The fact that you can't understand I don't feel that way right now, so you want to change it. Let me try a back rub. Let me do this for you. Because you can't accept my answer. That's not cool. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. When people take things personally too, it, it makes 
kind of the re- the relationship a little bit more challenging too because like you have this underlying you might have resentment or things like that and so i think that kind of brings us back to that place of respect well you mentioned the five love languages robin that's a yeah. good example how i hear you matters so you need to be aware i need to be aware of how my words impact you so if when we're two people are being intimate one comes off as being cold with their feedback and that totally takes me out of the moment, don't blame me because of how your words impacted me. Think, wait, my, every time I speak, it's to have an impact. There's the only reason we talk is because we want something to be known, to be impacted on the human being we're talking to. Mm-hmm. So I'm responsible for that as the speaker. So if, if I'm with a sexual partner and I'm not saying it in a way that they can stay in the moment and that, it, in fact, I might be saying it in a way that ruins the moment, I have to change the way I say it so that we can both remain in the moment, right? So instead of going, hey, that doesn't work, right? right? I might want to say, hey, a little to the left, a little to the right, or come up here, you know, that kind of a thing to make it playful versus you're screwing up, right? So, which could literally take both of you out of the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how you say things is definitely important. I, uh, I'm actually launching a course on how to have difficult conversations. And so that's going to be one of the things that we're talking about is how do you give constructive feedback or communicate with a partner about what you want or how something isn't necessarily working quite right for you and not trip their, their defenses or, you know, send them either into retreat. Oh, I did something wrong or make them feel less than or whatever. So exactly. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we will be right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Whether you are dealing with your child's latest tantrum or disagreeing with your partner about finances, you find yourself having conversations you'd rather not have every day. It's easy to see why we'd rather avoid talking about it. Yet putting off a difficult conversation today can lead to an even bigger problem tomorrow. How do you say what needs to be said and get the results you want without triggering their defenses and risking another disagreement that accomplishes nothing? It's time for a different approach. Robin's five-week course, Be Persuasive, How to Have Successful Conversations, outlines a step-by-step approach for the results you want from your most important and hardest conversations. You'll discover how to have more harmonious relationships through better communication, raise difficult issues without backing others into a corner, maintain your focus no matter how the other party reacts, and resolve problems once and for all. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Hi, my name is Cass Thomas, and I'd like to invite you to join me and my friend Monish Malotra for our show Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs. We'll be talking about abuse, exclusion, relationship, addictions, possibilities, LGBTQI, and more. Is it time to create the life you truly desire? Join us, Beyond Love, Sex, and Other Drugs, every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This show can change your life. It's changing ours. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Mike, I'd like to talk a little bit before we wrap things up about trauma, um, sexual assault, sexual abuse, and how this impacts people. Yeah, one thing that too many couples don't realize is it's very possible your partner, who you've been with a long time, 
has experienced sexual violence of some form that you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. They may never, never have told you. And people say, well, why wouldn't they have told me? We've been together 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Well, there could be a lot of reasons. Our society, sadly, victim blames too often. And therefore, there could be victim blaming by the victim themselves and shame. And so they think, well, I don't want to hurt my partner by telling them this. Or uh, I don't want my partner to do anything about this. Like maybe they think you're going to be enraged and you're going to do something they don't want to have done. So they're never going to tell you. Mm-hmm. All of those are real possibilities. So what you want to be able to do is create a safe space so someone can come forward if they want to come forward. They might not want to and you need to honor that. This is their choice. But we want to have language that allows people to come forward. Language such as, if anybody ever has or ever does sexually touch you against your will without your consent, I am always going to be here for you. Always. And if you think that I would want to go after the person or I would be enraged, know that I'm going to take a breath and be here for you. You are what matters to me. And I want you to always be able to come forward to me. That language I just used can be used by parents, can be used by loving partners. It's beautiful. If somebody does come forward, you want to avoid that, I'm going to kill the person. You want to avoid the, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, it comes off as pity. You want to look that person in the eyes and say, thank you for sharing. You're strong, you're courageous. What can I do to help? Notice I asked the person what I can do. I didn't assume, I didn't tell them, go to the police, go here, go there. I didn't take away their choices. I asked what I can do to help to let them choose They might say, I don't know, I just need to talk with someone. How about if I can find the 800 number for the local crisis center, right? Now you're giving them choices, Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. It's beautiful. You let them know they're strong. Now, on the flip side of that is, all right, Mike, that's worst case scenario, right? If somebody has experienced sexual violence, what's best case scenario when you're talking about sexual respect? And I have this conversation with audiences all the time. I'll say, what's the extreme opposite of sexual violence? And they'll say consent. And I'll say, no, 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 no. Consent's the bare minimum of a healthy relationship, right? If I walked up to you, Robin, and said, my relationship is so amazing, it's consensual. <laughs> right? You would think something's really messed up about my last relationship. So that doesn't sound right. right. The epitome is not consent. It's a bare minimum requirement. The epitome is mutually amazing relationships. Mutual, and when it comes to sex, mutually amazing consensual sex. That's the idea. That doesn't mean you're always going to get there. But if that's what you're aspiring for, there'll always be consent. Always. So you'll never operate without consent. The question is, will you get all the way there? Who knows? But you're, even if you don't, it's still going to be a wonderful experience. And that's what we want intimacy to be for all partners. Yes, Definitely to consciously create an amazing relationship. <laughs> yeah, and whether that, some people go, well, what if it's a one-nighter? Well, if you're taking all those risks, shouldn't it be mutually amazing? So no matter whether it's a one-nighter, and I'm not judging, I know people going, well, that goes against my risk. Okay, that's, other people have different viewpoints. Right. Whether it's a one-nighter, you've been together 40 years, don't you want it to be mutually amazing? I mean, isn't that what life is about, is creating wonderful memories with the people that you care about the most? Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about like creating a safe space. You mentioned that a couple times. Well, the words I just used, if anybody ever has or does, I'm here for you. And then here's the catch, Robin. You have to be there. Right. What tends to happen in reality is the parent says words like that, but then they act in rage when it happens. Mm -hmm. And you promised me you'd be here for me, but you're actually being here for you right now. Your rage is dominating. Your need for revenge is front and forward instead of you being present for me. Mm-hmm. The number one thing most people need to do to create a safe space is take a breath. And Just not try to fix the problem. Right. Don't fix. Take a breath and be thankful the person has told you whatever they told you. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm really glad you shared that with me. Whatever yeah. it is. If somebody says, this happened to me, I'm really glad you shared that with me, right? I, thank you for sharing. You're strong. You're courageous. If it is, Something about sexual feedback you're getting. I'm really glad you shared that with me because I want us to be able to overcome that or I want it to be better. If it's your kids giving you really rough news, I'm really glad you shared that with me because not knowing that would have been way worse than what you just shared with me. Mm -hmm. Taking a breath and being grateful. Yes. And I know sometimes it's hard for people not to react, you know, like whatever comes out. (laughs) 
And you're going to do it sometimes. Look, we're all human beings. I think one of the mistakes people make is they listen to an interview like this and they go, oh, this guy thinks he has it all figured out. Look, I have, I have knowledge from years of experience of doing this work. It doesn't mean I always execute perfectly. Of course not. I'm a human being and I'm infallible just like everyone listening. The key is that when we do mis- make mistakes, when we make choices that are not always founded in respect, can we own them? Can we acknowledge that that was a mistake? And can we apologize, whether it's to our kids, to our coworkers, to our loved ones, to our partners, can we own our mistakes, apologize sincerely, don't say things like, well, I'm sorry that got you mad. That's not owning your error. That's putting it on their emotions. Instead of saying, I'm sorry I did that and right. list the behavior you did. I'm sorry I said those words because that was not kind versus I'm sorry that made you unhappy or I'm sorry that hurt you. No, no, no. If you own what you did, not my reaction, mm. right? So own what you did that caused that reaction. That's an apology. Mm. Yeah, and most people like that difference, that nuance is like, they don't even like it doesn't even register on the radar because I think you're right. A lot of times when we upset somebody, we're like, oh, I'm so sorry I upset you rather than, oh, I'm sorry I did this. Take responsibility for their own actions. Yeah. When you say I'm sorry, I'm sorry you got mad about that. Well, you don't get to control whether I get mad about that or not. I do. So you're not really saying sorry. What you're really doing is why are you mad? Right. Right. Because if I'm sorry, and this is what people do, the person will shoot back and go, here's why that hurt me. And the person will be like, well, that's not what I meant. Well, I thought you were apologizing. If you're apologizing, why are you becoming defensive? Mm -hmm. An apology would mean that I know I've hurt you and I need to hear the pain. And I need to accept that because I'm sorry. Right. Right. So I'm not going to defend back and go, that's not what I meant. That means I'm not really apologizing. Right. That means I'm putting a show on to move on. Yeah, important distinction there. So, Mike, I know that you have an amazing free gift for everybody. So, I want to make sure that we have time to for you to tell everybody about that. So, we've got we've got a free gift, and then we've got a gift that's like way, way like a third the normal price. So, our free gift is people can always get Voices of Courage from our website. That's survivors sharing their stories, survivors of sexual assault. That's VoicesOfCourage.com. They can find it there. The gift that I that I'm going to give is actually our DVD for parents called Help My Teen Is Dating. It's normally between $25 and $39, a DVD or the online learning, but we have it available for $9.99. And so we're going to give that to your audience at RaisingSaferKids.com. RaisingSaferKids.com. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time that you've taken with us today. It's been really wonderful talking to you. And I know that everybody who listens to this episode is going to get a lot out of it. So thank you so much. Thank you, Robin. I love being on your show. And, you know, we love whether it's coming into communities, working with schools, parents, organizations, we love spreading this mission. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yes, my pleasure. And just a reminder, I'm going to also make your previous interview as part of the Raising Empowered Kids interview series available for our listeners. So they'll be able to download that too. So thanks so much, Mike. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. While these conversations may be difficult at times, the rewards are well worth it. We have the power to change the world by what we teach our kids. Join host Robin LaCrosse next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another thought-provoking conversation. Thank you and have a beautiful day.